0: Hello and welcome to the first episode of Just Doing Our Cobb. I'm Casey Serma
1: And I'm Robbie Harbin. I'll be alongside Casey as his co-host for Just Doing Our Cobb. <laughs> In today's episode, we'll be talking about the tragic death of Kobe Bryant alongside some other current events such as the MLB sign-stealing scandal, the Kansas and Kansas State fight. Later on, Casey and I will be getting into some segments about daily fantasy and our betting picks of the week, and we'll end the show with our Super Bowl picks and previews, so stay tuned. On January 26th of 2020, we learned that Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gianna Bryant, and seven others didn't survive a helicopter crash in Calabasas, California. Some of the other fatalities include Gianna's teammates Alyssa Altobelli, her parents John and Carrie, another teammate Peyton Chaser and her mother Sarah, an assistant coach Christina Mauser, and the pilot Ara Zobayan. And obviously, this is just an absolute travesty. I mean, some of the most shocking news i've ever heard in my lifetime casey like what were just kind of your initial thoughts when you saw it
0: i honestly didn't believe it like i saw it and i just could not believe what i was seeing all over twitter i mean every tweet yesterday was just a tweet about kobe and it it was like one of the most universal celebrity deaths that i've ever seen Mm -hmm. like we talked about it and like compared it to like crazy world events that have happened because his like superstardom transcended basketball it went on to way more than that like it's a he's an international icon like there was people tweeting from all over the world after he passed away yesterday and I don't know it's just it, it hit different than a lot of other celebrity deaths that have happened
1: yeah I I definitely have to agree I mean you look at athletes who have gone global with their brand and global with their game and it's a very Very select few. I mean, you got, obviously, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, the three icons of basketball, absolutely. And then, you know, some soccer players. You got Messi and Ronaldo in there, maybe some tennis players, some Roger Federer's, Rafael Nadal's of the world. But, I mean, outside of, you know, a couple of those major sports and a couple of those, obviously, superstar athletes, I mean, just nobody has the the world wide legacy of that and Kobe's legacy like a lot of people made this point on Twitter it goes so far beyond athletics and basketball what he was able to do as a competitor and then I mean after retirement Kobe seemed to almost improve his life he was you constantly saw him at different sporting events um with his daughter gianna and you saw him at different interviews and stuff and he just seemed like he was having a great time he was writing children's books won an oscar for an animated short called deer basketball i mean he was just doing it all even after retirement his his legacy is going to live on forever
0: yeah that's for sure and you touched on his daughter gianna i think that was i don't know just as like a sibling and just thinking about it from Vanessa Bryant's perspective, like not only have you lost your husband on that helicopter crash, you lost your daughter. And a lot of people saw her and were talking about it yesterday as like the heir to the throne. Like she, she's definitely about as close to WNBA going the distance phenom that we've seen in, in like a 13-year-old athlete.
1: Oh, yeah, like you had that video of uh, Kobe up on the Jimmy Kimmel doing an interview yesterday talking about how fans would come up to him and say, man, you need to you need to have a son to carry on your legacy. And Gianna was always like, nope, I, I got this. I, I'm going to be the next basketball Bryant. Don't worry about it. He doesn't need a son. And I think that just speaks to what Kobe was doing with her as a father. I mean, you could tell that all of them were close. And, you know, like you talk about from the point of his other three daughters that he had and Vanessa Bryant. And, like, I saw just some chilling tweets between – you know, when it happened. And now that about like, just wondering what those last, you know, few seconds with Kobe and his daughter were like when the helicopter is going down, because they both know, you know, they have to both know what's going to happen. And they're just sitting there together and Kobe, a lot of people have talked about it as a father, like that's probably just the worst feeling imaginable is knowing something's going to happen and you can do nothing to prevent it for your child. And that's just, that's to me is probably the most chilling part about this is just like thinking about how they spent those last moments together when when the helicopter was crashing.
0: Yeah, I thought about that a little bit yesterday too. And like, just, it's such a tough thing because no one saw it coming. You know, it's not like with David Stern, for example. I mean, a lot of people were sad when he passed away, rightfully so. Like what he did for the game of basketball was huge. But I mean, he was... Almost 80 years old. He had health conditions, serious health conditions in the past. So I'm not going to say we were ready for him to go, but there were there were certainly signs that it was almost his time. But, I mean, Kobe's 41. Like, you know, his daughter's 13. This shouldn't have happened. You almost think that these athletes like that and like LeBron and Michael Jordan are invincible. And then when something like this happens, it's just kind of mind-blowing.
1: Yeah, it It just absolutely makes you realize that anything can happen to anyone at any time. I mean, you know, just a few months ago, Kobe was going viral on Twitter and Facebook for helping out that car crash that he drove by. Now, he got out of his car, which he was safe in, and he was helping everybody kind of get through the traffic, making sure everybody involved in it was okay, and, you know, I mean, that just, again, speaks to the legacy of Kobe, is that he was so much more than basketball. He was just, he became such an amazing human being and was so important to so many people's lives. But I kind of, I kind of want to get away from Obviously the the tragedy and the sadness around it. Casey, what is your all time favorite Kobe Bryant moment?
0: Um, it probably it's it wasn't my favorite then, but after yesterday and some reflecting, it is now. I mean, I'm a Toronto Raptors fan, so the eighty one point game was a, a little bit of a sore subject the first time it happened, but just looking it back at it now and like thinking of all the athletes in the NBA that have been close to like Wilt's hundred point game i mean i don't think that it is really that possible in today's game for someone to pass that 81 point mark
1: yeah i mean even with like the nba is getting so much more offensive than it's been in past years and yeah i mean you had d book hit like 72 or whatever against the celtics and they were just force feeding him shots yeah i can't i don't even think kobe's 81 will get passed at least in our lifetime i mean that man was just offensive scoring machine he had like LeBron said the other night after he passed him for third all-time on the scoring list the night before all this happened, he said that Kobe Bryant just had no flaws on offense, and that is really what a lot of the things Kobe is remembered for, but personally, I kind of have two favorite Kobe moments. Number one is the Matt Barnes flinch or not flinch on that inbounds pass where he just pump fakes right into kobe's face and he just does not move i think that is an amazing and just speaks to kobe what kind of competitor he was and then also i mean his last game was just so special watching that against the utah jazz putting up 60 points like i mean everyone knew they were going to force feed him but the fact that he was shooting relatively efficiently and looking as good as he did showed that kobe still kind of had it
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. I, I remember the the Matt Barnes incident where like the next day in school, you and your friends would be trying to not flinch after someone, you know, fake something in your face or something like just crazy stuff like that. And of course, all the gifts and stuff where he's like saying soft and stuff like that. And those are always he's a very transcendent athlete in that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, all the kids back in elementary school, like you talked about doing the Matt Barnes flinch, I mean, everybody still yells Kobe when they're throwing something into the trash can, even though he's been retired. And I think, obviously, people will and should still continue yelling Kobe when shooting into the trash can, but you, you got to make it at least. Yeah, I mean, that just... Kobe was everywhere. Like, you don't really realize how big he was until, like, you see all of these clips yesterday, and you're like, man, I totally forgot about some of these things. Like, he was just... He was everywhere in our childhood. He's been such a role model of so many. It's just incredibly sad to see all this happen. Yeah,
0: that's for sure. He was definitely very important to the NBA and it was at a time when the league was, you know, starting to go global. Like we talked on a touched on a little earlier as in like I mean, you go to you can go to China right now and get and I guarantee you see someone walking down the street in a Kobe Bryant jersey. That doesn't happen for any other athletes
1: and how about all the uh, like the shot clock violations the eight second violations that have been happening all over nba games since since this uh event occurred i mean that he meant so much to so many people that are in the nba you know all the older guys played against him and just thought he was one of the best competitors all these younger guys that are in the league you know the rookies the second year players they all looked up to him like so many have said that he was their inspiration like trey young for example Came out, wearing the number eight jersey in honor of Kobe. And he was actually Gianna's favorite player. He tweeted about it yesterday. And she had only gone to three NBA NBA games in her life. And two of them were to see Trey Young. Maybe it was either this year or her life. But anyway, yeah. So Trey and Kobe worked out together this past summer. So that's just got to be incredibly tough. Then you see a guy like LeBron James, who you think... Is Again, you know, invincible, like you mentioned earlier, coming off the plane when they got back from Philadelphia, just walking
0: in tears and hugging some guy. It breaks your heart. What did you think about that? Since we're both um, journalism, we're both in this field, what did you think about them kind of waiting until they got off the plane to capture that? Because they didn't find out on the plane that he passed away, obviously. That was when and they kind of got I feel like they got ambushed. I don't know.
1: See, I heard that they did find out on the plane, though, when they were on their way back from Philly. Oh, they did? Yeah. That's what I heard. But, I I mean, either way, it's awful. I, there's never a good time to tell somebody that. That's why, um, obviously, we had the recent news of the Lakers-Clippers game that was supposed to be on Tuesday night get postponed because of everything that occurred, which I'm surprised that they honestly didn't cancel the games yesterday or postpone the games uh, the day of the event, but I definitely think that postponing the Lakers game was the right move.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Yesterday watching some of the players that, obviously being a Raptors fan, I'm a big fan of DeMar DeRozan and watching the Raptors play the Spurs yesterday, you could tell that since he was a big, Kobe was a big mentor for DeMar DeRozan, so watching the pain in his eyes and like, his interactions with his best friend, Kyle Lowry, it was just really sad. And I I felt like they shouldn't, be playing through that. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, <sighs> Kobe just meant so much to all these guys. Like, whether they barely knew him or in, were extremely close friends like he was with Chris Paul, Carmelo. Like, Kyrie sat out yesterday because Kyrie, like, Kobe was one of his biggest mentors. Like, there's the story that after they came back from the 3-1 to deficit to beat the the Warriors in that finals, that Kyrie immediately FaceTimed Kobe from the locker room. And Kobe's even talked about it that he hates FaceTime, but he answered because it was Kyrie. And so... Like, whether the players were close to him or not, it absolutely, this is, I mean, it touched everybody. Everybody has a Kobe story to tell that's involved with the NBA, one way or another. He yeah. just, he knew everybody. And yeah.
0: Yeah, um, it's an incredibly sad, sudden bit of news that I just think none of us and the whole world was expecting yesterday. And it, I don't know, he touched everyone's life. That's the bottom line.
1: Yeah. And personally, I think the favorite. My favorite tweet I saw and all of this yesterday was from Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated. He, I believe, was the first one to tweet that with the All-Star game coming up and Team Giannis and Team LeBron, that they should have one team wear number eight and one, wear, one team wear number 24 in honor of uh, Kobe. And I also saw one reply saying that since Giannis' number was number two, Giannis and LeBron should both wear that number for the All-Star game, which I think would be such a great honor of, for kobe
0: yeah that would definitely be a cool thing to see i'm, I'm sure the all-star game is definitely going to be i mean we're probably going to talk about the all-star games later in the show but it'll definitely be very watchable this year with probably all the kobe tributes and it's going to be a very emotional night for all of sports
1: oh yeah and i'm still i'm still kind of waiting for some additional comments from people like the lakers haven't tweeted anything or posted anything which obviously i'm sure they're planning a huge tribute because anything you do to to honor Kobe's memory is never going to be enough especially with that organization what he did for them but like you know I mean guys like LeBron and Carmelo and Chris Paul I'm really interested to hear what kind of they have to say about how they're feeling what they're going through because I mean those were some of his some of his closest friends obviously some of the top players over you know our entire lives
0: yeah played on some of those amazing u.s olympic teams with them so
1: oh yeah the, the 2008 redeem team
0: was he he was on the 2012 team too wasn't he? i believe
1: so yeah. yeah it's just you still can't put into words how much all this means to everybody and obviously you know everyone that was involved in that crash has to be in your thoughts and will continue to be in all of our thoughts i mean it was initially reported that there were five uh, confirmed deaths from the L.A. County Sheriff. and then there was rumored that Kobe's other daughters were on it, which, you know, ended up being false, but then the n- number during the L.A. County Sheriff's uh, press conference jumped to nine, which nobody knew about, and so you know, started all this speculation and wondering about who all these other people could be, and it's just, it's so devastating that nine people lost their lives on the 26th, and it's just... You can't put it into words how much all those people meant to their family, their friends, and their loved ones.
0: No, it's just a very tragic incident that, and a day that everyone will probably never forget. Yeah, I,
1: I'm sure you know. One day we're gonna have kids, and they're gonna ask us the story of Kobe Bryant. We're gonna have to sit down with them for solid twenty four hours to tell them everything that he did and everything he was special for. All right. So with that, I think we're going to be moving on to our uh, next segment, which is going into some other current events.
0: Coming up next, we're talking about sign stealing, obviously a huge problem for baseball. if you're unaware of what's going on, basically in 2017, the Astros were stealing signs all the way through the season that led to them winning the World Series that season. Um, The stats show that the Astros batted a lot better at home. They won all their home games in the world series. And there's so much evidence that they were guilty and other parties too the Red Sox and the Mets, I believe are still being looked into. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see where those investigations go. Robbie, what do you think about all the penalties that have been levied on those teams?
1: Um, it's, it's tough because like, You know, with the Astros, you had A.J. Hinge and Jeff Now get suspended for one year. Then they ended up getting fired by the Astros. And then, obviously, we don't, like you said, we don't know the discipline of the Red Sox and the the Mets yet. But they both mutually, allegedly mutually, parted ways with their managers. Alex Cora, who, of course, won a, a World Series with the Red Sox in his first year. And Carlos Beltran, who didn't even manage a game before having to leave. And, you know, I definitely, I understand it because in no way is cheating right. And, but... In baseball, everyone is sign-stealing in one way or another. It's just the fact that Alex Cora, especially, because he's a big part in the Astros and Red Sox organizations, which the Astros seem to be kind of by far the worst of the bunch, at least from early reports and initial reports. But So I think right now the current current punishments have fit the crime. But I'm really interested to see what happens with Alex Cora just because he played such a large part in so much of this.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, with especially with the fine, I, I know MLB has a limit, but I, I don't think the fine was enough. Yeah. You know, like I've seen reports that the Astros have generated over seventy seven million. I think just from the World Series one alone, estimated in like probably merchandise and how much they made at the games, how much the parade generated, all that stuff. But I mean if you if you ask a team is it worth it to get fined five million dollars for 77 million dollars especially a team like the astros that never won or haven't won a world series in forever i mean would you do it that's
1: i i think everybody would do it i mean the red sox last world series came in 2013 before this current one like you said the astros haven't won in forever and i think I think most fan bases would take it, especially in the short term, obviously, once you win the World Series, you're at the top of the world and you don't know that anything's happening. But then, you know, this all comes out a couple of years later, you know, two, three years later from these World Series. And now as a fan, you're like, yeah, I mean, that was a couple of years ago. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, they did some stupid stuff. But like we were still World Series champs. We were still the best team in baseball.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm an Indians fan. They have the longest active playoff drought streak going back to the 1940s. So, I mean... Maybe they should start stealing signs. Yeah, something. I mean, they need something. But if you had asked me if it would all be worth it if they still got the World Series championship, I mean, and most Indians fans, I think, would say yes. Even though it's a very difficult and touchy subject. I don't know.
1: You know, I really... I do think it depends on the fan base, too, for a lot of this stuff. Because with baseball... Like if you ask a Yankees fan, they might like they might honestly be split because they have such a rich history and they're so historic. But at the same time, this is the first time in a hundred years they went a full decade without a World Series, so they're getting hungry for for one again. Like, and if you ask the Cubs, before they won their last World Series when they had that hundred and seven hundred eight year drought, I bet. of them would say yes we would absolutely cheat for a World Series we need a World Series in Chicago after all the bad luck they had and all the different uh, curses that was put on them and they finally got it so I really I think it just depends on the fan base and what how desperate they are for one
0: yeah I could see that it's it's overall it's a, i feel like it's new baseball versus old baseball. I feel like there's in in baseball there's like two two different types of fans. I feel like there's the youth movement that's kind of like us where the fans are they don't have a problem with Jose Batista flipping his bat and don't see the don't see the issue of that and then you have like the 50 year old baseball elites that you don't do that you don't showboat you don't do this you run around the bases you don't trot you don't do this blah 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 blah. you don't jump in the the chase field pool after winning a game and I feel like it's it's a there's a big divide in the fan base anyways and how they feel on these issues
1: yeah I I would definitely agree I'm I'm really still curious just to see everything that ends up happening out of this especially because I mean, Alex Cora looks so impressive his rookie year with the Red Sox, obviously winning the World Series with the best Red Sox team ever, most wins by a Red Sox team in history. Then just for him to or for the MLB to come out and say that he was just the main guy in so much of this and led it with the Astros and did it again with the Red Sox. I mean, he's just got to have a harsh discipline coming down on him.
0: Was it proven yet that he did it with the Red Sox, or are they still investigating?
1: I think they're still in early investigations, but it seems like the early signs have kind of deemed that there was some, some sneaky stuff going on, some sign stealing going on. It just was not near the level of the Astros.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I don't. I, I know the Mets' role in this. They they're not being investigated for sign stealing.
1: No, that that was just because I believe Carlos Beltran had some stuff to do with it on the Astros when he was still there, so that's why they kind of nixed him for ethics and kind of a PR move, I'd assume. I'm sure Carlos Beltran will land another job somewhere, though.
0: Yeah, probably.
1: He seems like he'll be a great manager. I can't imagine he's out of a job for very long. Somebody else will take him on. But now, I mean, the Mets have already hired a new manager, but the Red Sox and Astros still searching with pitchers and catchers reporting here pretty soon.
0: Yeah, it'll definitely be an interesting story to follow as the season progresses, that's for sure. Yes, it will be. Now, coming up next, uh, talking about the Kansas-Kansas State brawl that happened last week, something we don't traditionally see in college basketball. Something we should see more of in college basketball.
1: (laughs) Totally kidding. They should not be fighting each other. Yeah, that was, man, that was just crazy. Because this is the second time this year that that's... not the brawls happened to Kansas, but an incident like that happened where they were just blowing out an opponent And then, because it was Monmouth earlier in the year oh, where, yeah, the, where guy, the guys yeah. stole it and scored and got in their face. And then uh, in this Kansas-Kansas State game, it was DeJuan Gordon who stole it when they were down 81-59 with like five seconds left. And then Sylvia DeSosa came out honestly with one of like the best blocks i've ever seen but then he stood over him and then it just escalated and then later on you got de sosa with a chair and oh my god that was just ridiculous
0: yeah whatever manager or coach grabbed that from DeSosa might have saved him his whole basketball career with that grab the chair because if he had if he oh, made yeah. contact with the chair that would have been really really bad i mean he he could have gotten thrown out of school from that. Not even
1: just kicked off the basketball team. They could have saved his education too. Yeah, I mean, when he grabbed that that stool or that chair, like it just it went from college basketball to WWE so quickly. Do you think? Do you think his punishment was enough? The twelve
0: game suspension. I mean, Kansas, as we talked about before, is not really the best place with uh, some of these suspensions and punishments that they hand out. Oh yeah, but I mean, twelve games is I think it, I think it teaches them his lesson. Well,
1: I mean, that that twelve games actually it came down from the Big Twelve to Kansas didn't even have anything to do with it. <laughs> And then yeah, David McCormick gets suspended two games, and then from Kansas State you had James Love for eight games and Antonio Gordon for three games, which I don't really have an issue with a lot of those ones. But yeah, I sure hope he learns his lesson after twelve games. And he he did seem that he was pretty authentic that he felt bad about it. Uh, Sylvia did because after you know after the game and everything kind of. Uh, settled down a bit, he posted that apology on Twitter and trying to explain himself, which, I mean, it's just a tough line, too, with college athletes because, yeah, they're kids. You know, most of them are going to be, you know, 19, 20 years old. But, like, at the same time, that's old enough to where you should have the self-awareness, you know, not to start throwing punches, not to grab a a stool and try to hit somebody with it. And so it's just – that was a tough line between – between the decisions you make because you got some people that are just saying oh they're kids you know heat of the moment mistakes happen but then you got some other people going like these are adults that are in college they should know better than to grab a stool so it's just yeah it was crazy
0: yeah it kind of reminded me of what we saw in the nfl this year with miles garrett and that brawl or whatever that was after the monday night football game or
1: or according to adam Schefter, it was
0: assault yeah assault the smash over the head with the helmet I mean, we pretty much could have had that with the with the uh, smash over the head with the chair if he would have connected and we would be talking about the same thing here like police involvement possibly and i don't know it's just something you don't really see too much in college sports i mean you get the occasional or occasional uh marcus smart punch or the occasional like blunt punch to the face you don't see yep. this too often
1: yeah i mean this was and this was just crazy like Sure scuffles happen. Sure guys will push each other in each other's face a little bit, but an all-out brawl like this, like nearing malice at the palace like they were if they started attacking fans it would have all been over like that. Ah, that's crazy. So moving on, we are going to be talking about Antonio Brown, a free agent of the NFL, I guess you could say, whose life is kind of just in a downward spiral right now. I mean, Obviously had all the drama with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Goes to the Raiders. Has all the drama with the Raiders. Uh, goes to the Patriots, where everyone was like, "Holy crap, Antonio Brown's a Patriot." That's kind of scary. And then he gets cut after one game where they play the Miami Dolphins, and because he had another sexual assault uh, come up, and then recently he was in—he turned himself into the police for three charges, including burglary with battery, uh, which is a felony. And then went to court hundred ten thousand dollar bond got all these different issues and he was wearing a suicide smock in court like it's just it just makes you wonder what happened to that man over the past few years because the antonio brown we saw in pittsburgh before the last year or two seemed like a genuinely good dude he seemed like a genuinely he seemed like he enjoyed playing football that he liked to be in pittsburgh and then all of a sudden he's just full of all this nonsense and all this crazy stuff going on
0: yeah I don't know something obviously people point to the perfect hit as something knocking something loose up here yeah but I don't know if it could be attributed to just that maybe he's having some uh, problems with substances outside of the league and it certainly seems like that at this point with all the with what all the signs are pointing to I don't know I when he turned himself into the police, that was probably the last thing I was expecting he was going to do. I I mean, we heard rumors that he barricaded himself in his house mm-hmm. and like a lot of people online were like, oh boy, we're going to get an OJ car chase out of this or something like that. I was never a big Antonio Brown fan, but I hope for the person that he gets whatever help that he needs, because there's definitely something more than just issues with law and other things going on with him
1: and it's sad too because he obviously he has kids and he's posted about him a bunch and it seemed again like he was a good father and trying to be a good role model for them and then all this stuff just spiraled down so quickly like i mean the sexual assaults were obviously kind of where it started with his uh trainer or whoever the person was that was accusing him and then they got that all settled and squared away he came back to the nfl then he had another assault case come up and it just it makes you sad because again like football is one thing his football career being over but you just want him to get back to where he's in a good state of mental health so he can be there for his kids and he can be there for their futures and be a good role model for them again like it seemed like he was a few years ago
0: yeah that's for sure I I remember I mean growing up in western New York there's a lot of Pittsburgh Steelers fans and a lot of kids looked up to Antonio Brown And just to kind of see the downfall of him. And even on the football field, the guy with such immense talent. Antonio Brown, for how long now? Six, seven years has been talked about. Top two receivers in the league, him and Julio Jones, maybe DeAndre Hopkins. Mm -hmm. Like, just to see someone, especially the guy that can still be doing that on the field right now, kind of take a tumble in his life, take a tumble, is just really sad.
1: Oh, yeah, because even I mean, in that one game with the Patriots, he had like four catches, a touchdown. I mean, granted, it was against the Dolphins early in the season who looked like they were an absolute dumpster fire. But, I mean, he could still play. You could clearly tell he could still play. And, yeah, just – and I honestly – I really thought Oakland was going to be good for him too when he went there. I thought that Gruden kind of had a knack for handling egos, it seemed like, and I thought that he'd be able to handle – Antonio Brown a little bit, and then that just did not happen, and then all that drama came out with the Raiders and his frozen feet or whatever.
0: His helmet, too, was the And his helmet,
1: yeah. I mean, it was just like it just all started with such small things it seemed like and it keeps spiraling down and down and so yeah we just absolutely hope that Antonio Brown can get back to the person he once was
0: honestly like we we were talking earlier about like Kobe's all the stuff that he did good obviously and all the different areas that he touched I mean over the last six months like Antonio Brown has been everywhere like the helmet the feet the assault cases the the all the Instagram documentaries that he was making when he was trying to get better and coming back to the team almost fought his GM and
1: then he got signed by the Patriots and then cut by the Patriots started talking crap on Robert Kraft and then he was like wait I want to come back I'm sorry and
0: yeah then of course then rolling in college and uh, all the the Twitter. I hate I hate you NFL. Oh, I, I I'm sorry NFL. I want to come back. Then the Saints try out where he showed up with an entourage, even though they asked him not to show up with an entourage. And yep. it's it was it's a mess.
1: It is a mess, and that's why you just gotta hope that he gets the help he needs. And that was actually part of his uh, preliminary sentencing from the court was that he undergo a mental health evaluation. So hopefully you know, as crappy as it sounds, that him ending up at court will get him the help he needs and the help he has not sought out yet but
0: really should have. Uh, We're going to move on to next subject. Uh, We talked about the NBA a little bit earlier with Kobe Bryant, but we're going to bring it up with what might be the next generational talent in the NBA, Zion Williamson, playing astounding in his uh, limited performances in the first three games he's been in the league
1: and yeah his debut I mean you barely saw anything from him early on like you thought almost after he played like eight minutes and like two points or whatever to start you were kind of almost thinking maybe his night was done and then he came back in the fourth quarter had that like three minute eight second stretch where he hit four threes like almost single-handedly brought the Pelicans back into that game and you know he even told his coach Alvin Gentry like hey you need to leave me in this game because I can win us this game and I I think he could have he easily has the talent, too, and he looked absolutely phenomenal in their debut. I mean, going four for four and three, scoring 22 points, adding seven boards. He, I, I think he's going to be a generational athlete, and I think he has all the talent for it. Like you said, his first three games that he's played now, averaging 19 points, eight rebounds. That's just very impressive for a rookie, obviously, and especially one just coming off the injury he had, which... You know, the Pelicans were a bit careful with him. Do you think that the Pelican what do you, I'm just curious as to your thoughts actually if the Pelicans should be playing him more because he's had a tremendous plus minus in pretty much all their games, but they're one and two since he came back. Like the other night they got blown out. He had like a plus seventeen or something in the minutes he played, and they still were just getting beat so bad. Like, at some point, if you are the Pelicans who are in a position to push for the playoffs, if you want to make that push, you got to get him more minutes or lift his restriction
0: quick. I was, when, I remember when Joel Embiid came back from his injury, I believe it was a foot, his, the year after his rookie season, I was all against a minute restriction. I'm like, come on, what? Th- this guy is playing its, at incredible basketball during this time where he's playing max 20 minutes a game, and... uh when Zion finally does come off that minutes restriction i think it'll be for the best like i was a huge like i said i was a huge credit critic of the uh the minutes restriction on jojo but mm-hmm. he came back and he's better than ever after that the next two seasons so i think that it's a good thing to kind of hold him back coming off an injury that was that severe to leave him out for that long i think you kind of need to leave him on that minutes restriction just to make sure he, he is at full health. But when the doctors say it's time to take that off, I think that he's got to play. Cause I mean, yeah. his per 36 averages right now are probably not maintainable, but I mean, if he's ever, he's averaging 31.2 points per game, 12.9 rebar- rebounds per game and uh, 66% from the field in 30 30- in, in his per 36 minute stats, which is just absolutely insane numbers. And you said his Plus minus is fantastic, too, so I'm really ready to see the the uncaged Zion Williamson.
1: Oh, yeah, like like the other night, so we've seen a minute to increase every game so far. He started with 18 against the Spurs, 21 against the Nuggets, and 27 against the Celtics in their recent win, and in that game, he had 21 and 11, which... <laughs> The rebounds is at least close to his per 36 points isn't quite there. But, man, he's got to work on his free throw game a little bit. I mean, right now he's shooting 37.5% from the line since he's came back. And in the preseason, he didn't shoot very well either. He is around 70%, so that gives you faith that he can hopefully get it back. But if not, you could be looking at maybe a, a hack of Zion
0: almost. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, but I think he'll be fine. I don't know. I think it just takes some adjustment when you get to – you see it with college freshmen at the college game that are struggling with free throws because obviously they never had ten to 15,000 people staring at him in a gym when yeah. they're shooting free throws. So I think it just – there's an adjustment period there. Do I think that he's going to be like 90% from the field or ever be like a 40, 50, 90 shooter? No. no.
1: But if he can at least get to like that 70, 75 mark, he'll be in a, a much better position at least. All right, so now we are going to move on to our favorite quarterback, Eli Manning's retirement. Um, Obviously, he was benched for uh, Daniel Jones earlier this year. They elected to go with the rookie, kind of build for the future. So pretty much we'll be talking about whether or not Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. Casey, yes or no?
0: You know, um, I guess I'm going to use the Kurt Warner argument in this one. And just looking at Kurt Warner's numbers, he was fantastic early in his career, but... His early career numbers and even his numbers with the Cardinals didn't really warrant a Hall of Fame bid. But I think what Eli Manning did for the game gets him in. If you go to a Super Bowl, and obviously you're a, you're a really solid quarterback, been elected to a bunch of Pro Bowl teams and stuff like that, and you beat the greatest team ever assembled in the 2007 New England Patriots and end their undefeated season, that's like the greatest show on turf to me. And if, I think if Kurt Warner and his story gets in, I think Eli gets in too.
1: You know, I I agree that I think he should be in and will be in. I definitely, you got to see the argument from both sides because, I mean, yeah, his recent years have just been rough, but the Giants have also been awful. They haven't really given him offensive line. They gave him some weapons with getting Saquon, but then Evan Ingram's been hurt a lot. They lost or traded Odell. But, yeah, I agree. A two-time Super Bowl champ with two Super Bowl MVPs almost alone should get you in like he has fine career numbers he was never obviously the best quarterback in the league but I think he was good enough to have earned a spot especially just based on the two Super Bowls I mean that's what it's all about is winning championships and if you win two of them where you beat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick twice that uh, is is darn impressive you know like the defense played phenomenal in the first game I, I mean they played solid in both games but then you know, Eli is what it came down to. He had that pass to David Tyree, the helmet catch. He had the pass to Mario Manningham on the sideline. Those were two winning plays that came from the arm of Eli Manning that won two Super Bowls. I think it's as simple as that, and he should be in it.
0: Yeah, Joe Namath really wasn't the best uh, quarterback as a stat show, even for the time being when he was in. But there's something about just Super Bowl moments I feel like that get people a lot of respect and props in the game and I think that Eli Manning and David Tyree helmet catches just as will live in infamy just as much as Broadway Joe running off the fields that iconic NFL film shot of him pointing to the locker room with the number one up I mean that there's stuff like that that just lives forever and I think that's why he deserves to be in the Hall can't wait till a few years from now Nick
1: Foles somehow finds a way to beat the Patriots in a Super Bowl again and we're talking about him going to the Hall of Fame bring up the (laughs) Philly special all right, so for our next and last current event that we'll be talking about, Casey is going to go ahead and kind of break down the NHL All-Star Game and All-Star Weekend uh, that just happened this past weekend. So, Casey, go ahead and tell our tell our listeners what they got to
0: hear. Um, basically, it's pretty much the same ever since they uh, adjusted to the 3v3 tournament that they do between the divisions um, with the Pacific beating the Atlantic um, in the final. Not really great hockey did we see very much this weekend. And I think it kind of goes along with all the other All-Star games that come up. The Pro Bowl, the NBA All-Star game, the MLB All-Star game. You don't really get the best effort from the players um, mm. watching. It was it was fun. I mean, I love the skills challenge more just because you kind of get to see players out of their element of like competitive games. But you also get to see them... Who would have thought you could see an NHL player shoot a puck from like the second level of the 200 section in this in the arena at like targets at Center Ice? It's just something weird you don't really see every day. So I, I really love to watch that with the players. Um, some I love watching the hardest shot too. Shea Weber hit a 105.9 mile per hour hardest shot, but they definitely need to do something with the game to make it more competitive. Um, pa- Pasternak won the MVP. And we, saw, we got to see some skills on display, like Nico Heche here with some nice goals and stuff, but other than that, it was just kind of boring, and I think they need to shake it up a little bit more.
1: Man. Yeah, I kind of get that feeling among all-star games, too, but we'll get that get to that in a, a little bit. So now let's go ahead and get into our first segment that will be done weekly. We'll... Casey and I will be breaking down some daily fantasy sports, kind of giving you some of the best picks for the weekend on who you should play. So Casey is going to go ahead and start us off with some
0: NHL plays for you guys. All right, so looking at the NHL coming up this weekend and for the week, um, some of the guys that I'm kind of keying in on uh, for daily fantasy, Quinn Hughes has four points in his last four games before the All-Star break. It'll be interesting to see how some of these guys come back after the All-Star break. But I think Quinn Hughes will play pretty good. He's, he's been having a fantastic so- sophomore season this year. I believe 24 points in 38 games. Good low-budget guy at four point one thousand dollars on FanDuel. Uh, I- Ilya Kovalchuk, another good low-budget guy, kind of revitalized himself with Montreal after being cut by the Kings. In his last five games, is averaging 16.4 fantasy points, four goals in his last five. Another low-dollar guy at four thousand four thousand four hundred dollars uh some high dollar guys to look at Jonathan Taves had 13 points in his last seven games um Artemi Artemi Panarin had 10 points in his last five Dominic Kubali uh, had eight goals in his last seven all all the assists were to Jonathan Taves so you might want to get on that and kind of tandem those dudes together because they played really well recently and of course Eric Gustafson who's commonly on the ice ice with uh, Kubalik and Taves has been hot as well um, in his last three with six points total so definitely if you're looking to get in on some action and if hot streaks are going past the all-star break I would try to get in on some Chicago because the Chicago Blackhawks at least their first line and second line defensive pairings have been really good recently.
1: All right, so now I'm going to go ahead and break down some NBA Daily Fantasy guys for you uh, with the weekend games coming up. So the first guy I really like is uh, Derek Rose, obviously one of the most loved players in the NBA right now, as he should be for... the remarkable things he's done in his comeback. So he has a game this weekend against Denver on Sunday, and right now he scored twenty plus points in his last twelve games. Uh, 14 out of his last fifteen outings with twenty plus. He's just on an absolute scoring tear right now. He you can find him for about seven thousand eight hundred uh, in the salary on DraftKings or FanDuel, whichever one you prefer. Another guy I really like this weekend is Chris Dunn. He'll be playing in Toronto with the Bulls. He has actually been remarkable his past four games, scoring over thirty fans fantasy points in four straight games and you can find him for a low budget of about 5,700 which is kind of a steal especially if he keeps producing like that um a next guy that i like is actually deandre hunter which is a little bit of a bold choice i'm gonna gonna be honest but he has an easy matchup against dallas who's allowing the second most fantasy points to opposing small forwards and uh and In their last game, he had a hot performance at 28 points, shot incredibly efficient from the field. He can get you a few steals, a few rebounds, and if he's shooting like he did last game, then he is an absolute steal for where he's at, which is about $5,000, depending on the app. And then finally, I like Montrezl Harrell against Minnesota. Um, he hasn't really been tearing it up lately. I know his last game was actually quite impressive, but he's just a consistent bucket that you can usually find for relatively low on the center salary scale. Um, so he can get you a consistent, you know, 15 points, five boards at minimum. Usually you're looking at about 20 and 6, 20 and 7 from him. And it's against a struggling Timberwolves team. I mean, Cats obviously a great center and has been playing pretty well but i just expect them to kind of be able to blow out the Timberwolves and montrezl harrell to get a lot of looks down low
0: those are some good picks we'll see we'll probably evaluate next week see how our guys did talk a little bit about it and continue to do this every single week look at different players from the nba and nhl that can hopefully help you guys win some money Uh, now we'll move on to our next segment is it an overreaction basically this segment's going to be we're going to bring up a take or i'll bring up a take robbie will say if it's an overreaction and why he thinks it is or isn't, and then Robbie will bring up a take and ask me if he thinks it's an overreaction, and I'll say if it is or isn't.
1: All right, I guess I'll start us off. So my first take, a little bit of a hot one, I'm not sure you're ready for it. Aaron Rodgers is not a good good postseason quarterback.
0: I'm going to say that that is an overreaction. And the reason I say that is... I did some looking at Aaron Rodgers' numbers. Obviously, they weren't that good in this year's playoffs, but over the years, I mean, if Aaron Rodgers' defense has given up 21 plus points and 19 or 12 out of the 19 games that he's played in the playoffs, that's not traditionally a, t- a winning mark for a QB. I mean, he's 11 and 8 in the playoffs, something that a lot of QBs can't say. So, and I mean, looking at his stats overall, 64% completion percentage, 5,027 yards, 40 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 100 rating, and 19 playoff games, plus that crazy Super Bowl run in 2010-2011 sure. that he went all the way from the wild card round with the injured Packers team. I don't know. I, I think that's a little bit of an overreaction.
1: All right. I respect it, I suppose.
0: All right. Now... I got a little bit of a hot take for you because I know you're a Pats fan. Tom Brady will be in a different uniform for next year's season.
1: I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to say that is an overreaction. And here's why. It's just, it's one of those things that you have to see to believe i obviously he's more likely now than ever to leave because for the first time in his career he actually has choice over where he's going to go because i mean he kept you know signing those extensions with the patriots for less salary than he could have made on the open market trying to make the patriots a super bowl team now obviously he's won six rings he could be looking for to move some more for retirement but i'm just again it's you have to see it to believe it i can't imagine tom brady anywhere else other than boston all right, so my next one for you, Casey, is that Zion returning to the Pelicans will lead them to the playoffs
0: uh, We touched on this one a little bit earlier with I mean Zion is playing in, a, in his small sample size, only 66 minutes. I mean, he's playing incredible basketball, the likes of which LeBron looked like in his rookie season in his first three games. seen a lot of people compare him to that. But I don't think we're going to be able to see that until, obviously, they take the minutes restriction off of them. But if they take it off soon and that team starts clicking, I saw Brandon Ingram's production went down Mm -hmm. since Zion's been back. Quite a bit, yeah. So if he can get back going and Zion keeps at the same pace and they play him for 30 to 36 minutes a game, I could 100% see them going for that eight spot in the West. All right, Ravi. Pat Mahomes will throw for 350-plus yards and three TDs in the Super Bowl this year. I'm going with
1: not an overreaction. I mean, Pat Mahomes is just such a special talent. Obviously, the 49ers have a tremendous defense. Throwing on Richard Sherman all night's not going to be easy because... You know, he's going to be covering guys like Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. But the Pat Mahomes just has so many different playmakers on that team. Damian Williams can make a big play. Sammy Watkins. Yama you know, Cole Hardman, who's just tremendous speed. I mean, and some of the stuff Pat Mahomes does is just amazing. He, He's just that good. I, I mean, I wouldn't doubt it if he throws for like 250 and a couple scores. Like 350 and three touchdowns would obviously it'll be a fantastic game. He'd win Super Bowl MVP, no doubt. But... I don't think it's an overreaction because Pat Mahomes is just that good. Okay, my last one for you, Casey, is that LeBron will end his career as the NBA's all-time leading scorer. We know that he just passed Kobe Bryant for third on the all-time scoring list and is only about 5,000 out from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So what do you think on that?
0: I think that is not an overreaction. I 100% believe, obviously barring some injury to LeBron, He's already extended his prime farther than any athlete has, so who's to say that he can't extend it to 40? plus even I mean he's already said that he wanted to play with his kid Bronny and when was the next time he's going to come out like five years probably
1: like four yeah
0: four or five years so right at the
1: end of LeBron's Lakers contract he'll be eligible to come into the league
0: yeah so I mean and I looked it up just to see what he needs to do to pass Kareem and over the next three seasons if he plays 75 games and averages 17.5 points per game he will pass Kareem and I could 100% see him doing that
1: yeah so can I absolutely especially with just how good of shape he's still in he's shown no signs of slowing down he can still score 30 a night 20 a night easily I just I can't imagine him not passing Kareem at this point honestly when I first heard that take I was like there's no way LeBron's gonna get number one and then when you think about his longevity and how many years he has left it's very very possible
0: Now the last take for Robbie. Uh, Every pro sports league's all-star games are boring and they either need to be restructured or canceled.
1: Kind of. That's what I went with. I think it just depends on the league. For example, the NBA, I love their all-star weekend. I love what they've been able to do with it because now with players drafting the teams, it seems to get those guys more invested. You know, you got Team LeBron, Team Giannis last year. Again, this year, they were voted as captains. And so it gets those guys invested. You're getting giving big bonuses to the winning team, which obviously, I mean, if they're playing, they should you know be paid for it because it's their time. It's their skill that's being used. But then you have stuff like the Pro Bowl with the NFL, which I – I could care less about the Pro Bowl. You know, um, the best players aren't even there, or a lot of the best players, because they're playing in the Super Bowl. You know, missing out on Pat Mahomes, you're missing out on guys like Nick Bosa, Richard Sherman from the 49ers defense. And I think you know kind of nhl mlb nba all have their all-star break mid-season which i tend to enjoy a little bit more than the pro bowl having it right before the super bowl because you're just so amped up and ready for the super bowl whereas mid-season you're like okay you know i don't mind a week or two break from from the sport let those players get their rest have some fun play some games so it just it really depends i don't think any of them should be canceled because i think showcasing your best players in your league is always a great opportunity. I just, I definitely think that there should be some revitalization with all of them. All right, so let's get into our next segment, which I just briefly touched on, and that'll be our betting picks segment, where Casey and I again, like daily fantasy, will try to win you some money. So, Casey, go ahead, give me your
0: lock of the week. Uh, my lock of the week comes from uh, it's a hockey bet. Um, looking at this week's games, obviously the weekend. Uh, Lines are not out yet, but I will be paying very much attention to Washington against Ottawa on Friday night, the Capitals and the Senators. That is because um, Ottawa is terrible at covering the spread. 35% of the time they cover the spread, and Washington is a league-best 67% cover rate. So if that spread looks juicy, I mean, that's definitely one that I would consider as close to a lock as possible.
1: All right, I might have to take that with myself some money then. Well, my lock of the week is Kansas City minus one in the Super Bowl, like I just mentioned. Um, I'll get into the Super Bowl a little bit later on when we'll uh, be talking about that here at the end of our show. I just think that the Chiefs are going to come in and beat them. Uh, The 49ers, I like it as a pick them, And my other picks that I kind of like for the weekend are actually other Super Bowl props. I'm taking heads on the coin toss at minus 120. The heads and tails are both minus 120. I'm just, I'm feeling good. I'm liking heads. And then my last one, National Anthem. Current over-under is 124.5 seconds. You got Demi Lovato out there. She's a tremendous singer. I think she really wants to display what she can do. So I just, I feel like you always got to take the over on the national anthem. So that's what I'm going with for, for, my, for my other pick of the
0: week. You did the, any uh, looking into the stats of the f- previous national anthems, how long they've went or no?
1: I, I did last year before, but not this time around
0: now. I could see it going over. I mean, you, if you're a singer, I probably on the greatest stage on the planet you want to showcase your vocals i could see it
1: and i currently saw the 124.5 seconds was like minus 190 so i wouldn't be surprised if that moved up to like 125 and a half which then you know if demi lovato goes in right at 125 you got to be sweating it
0: out (laughs) i know those uh the other halftime bet that i saw that i i'm if i if i go to council bluffs it would be 100 percent that Shakira and Jennifer Lopez will both sing in Spanish. I think that one's unavoidable. Miami, they're both Hispanic singers. They've sent, they've sent, sung songs in uh, Spanish before. I could 100% see that one yeah. coming to fruition.
1: Yeah, I agree. I definitely... I That's got to have a high line on it because that's got to happen.
0: Yeah, it was like minus 110, I think.
1: Wow, that's not bad, actually. Yeah.
0: You got any more picks for the week, Casey? Um, I, I like the under... For the Super Bowl, I, with just recent trends, even though Kansas City's offense is prolific, and uh, San Fran put up what thirty-five against the Packers last week, I don't know. I think it's just going to be a lot tighter game. I could kind of see the final score being something like twenty-one to twenty-four. Obviously, that's not going to cover the over, so I like the under for that game.
1: So you're just pretty much rooting for a weak Super Bowl. You know,
0: everybody wants it to be
1: like fifty to forty-nine.
0: Oh, I would love that. I I just don't see it happening.
1: All right. Well, let's move on. Of course, since we are a UNL podcast, we're just doing our cob. We got to take you through the Husker Sports recap of the week. Let's start with some men's basketball where they lost at Rutgers, who's ranked number 24 in the country, actually put on a fantastic display, looked much better than they did early on in the year. They only lost 75-72. You had women's basketball going up to Wisconsin on the same day, last Saturday, winning 72 to. Uh, 71 in a pretty impressive feat. Both gymnastics teams were in action this past weekend with women's winning at Michigan state, 197.100 to 196.500 uh, men's gymnastics winning against Iowa, beating the rival. Love it. Absolutely. 409 to 0.850 to 402.950. And then finally wrestling beat Michigan state by a score of 25 to 12. Just absolutely kind of blew them out of the water. And then, uh, yeah,
0: yeah, that, that men's basketball game was pretty heartbreaking.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was absolutely blown away because I wasn't able to watch it, but I saw the score on my phone during the second half, and I was like, oh, my, my gosh, the Huskers might actually pull this off. <sighs> Same team that was losing to Division two schools pretty much at the beginning of the year might actually go on the road and beat a ranked team that has been good for all season.
0: Yeah, they're definitely improving under Hoiberg, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. Obviously, there's player player turnover next year with a bunch of seniors and grad transfers leaving, and all, it'll be interesting to see who he can bring into the program that kind of fits his scheme. I think he likes the players like Cam Mack, oh, yeah. obviously, and if he can get some more players like that in, I think the Husker basketball's in for a real bright future.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, Cam Mack scored 19 points in that game against Rookers. You had Thor scoring 17 points, both shooting incredibly efficient from the floor and from three. Like, Cam went four or five on three. Thor went five of eight. Um, I mean, they looked good. Still can cut down on the turnovers a little bit, obviously, but that'll come with time. That'll come once they get some more chemistry building up. But I really, yeah, I thought they'd pull it off after I saw that score. I was really rooting for them.
0: Yeah, they've been they've been improving throughout the season, and uh, it'll be interesting to see where the rest of the season where they go if they can knock off some big uh, ranked conference opponents. All right, so let's
1: go ahead take us through. Uh, I'll take us through some of the previews for next week. What we're looking at as far as Husker sports go, we have women's tennis taking on Creighton and Air Force this upcoming weekend. Men's gymnastics will be competing at Illinois. Uh, men's be- our men's basketball team with a big game coming up at Penn state this weekend. That'll be a good one or sorry. That's against Penn state. It's actually a PBA and that is the uh, coaches versus cancer game. So that'll be exciting to watch. And then you got men's tennis against Auburn and University of Missouri, Kansas City. And then we got two different teams taking on Ohio State this weekend. You got wrestling taking on Ohio State and women's basketball taking on Ohio State. Which which of those are you look, looking forward to
0: most, Casey? Um, Probably the coaches versus cancer game. I, I love going to that every single year. It's... Uh... It's a really good time. with, And then when they get the cancer survivors out on the court, it's pretty emotional. So it's always good to see if the Huskers going to get a win on that day. How about you, Robbie?
1: You know, I'd have to agree. Um, and I really am looking forward to the women's basketball game against Ohio State too. I think Amy Williams has done a fairly good job, obviously, with that team this year. And I think Ohio State, anytime you get the chance to beat Ohio State, you got to look forward to it. So I'm excited for, for that one
0: as well. Yeah, it'll be great to see if uh, the obviously the men's team is pretty much all but done, not in the tournament. But it'll be interesting to see if that women's team can get in because they've beaten some pretty high profile opponents this yeah, season. So of,
1: I mean, the men's team could still get in too. All you got to do is win Big Ten, which is a lot easier said than done. But. Uh. <laughs> All right, so our final segment in this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the Super Bowl. Obviously, you got the AFC champions, Kansas City Chiefs against the NFC champions, San Francisco 49ers. So let's go ahead. Let's
0: start with some MVP picks, some possible options. Casey, who do you like? I've got kind of an outside look at the MVP this year. I'm not really thinking anything. Pat Mahomes is the MVP just because I think the Niners are going to win somehow because last seven out of ten Super Bowls the the team with the better defense won the Super Bowl and I really think that Jimmy G is going to have a game I mean a lot of people ripped on him last week for only throwing for 77 yards against uh, Green Bay I could see him really taking over this game and having a really good game because obviously Raheem Mostert is probably going to be keyed on by the Kansas City Chiefs defense so I could see Jimmy G having a good game what about you Robbie?
1: You know, I obviously I think if the Chiefs win, Pat Mahomes is going to be the MVP. I think Travis Kelsey as another possible outlook. I just I'm interested to see obviously how the 49ers kind of match up with him. And then for the 49ers defense, or for the 49ers if they win, I wouldn't be surprised to see a defensive MVP. You know, a guy like Nick Bosa if he can get to Pat Mahomes a couple times, maybe Richard Sherman, maybe Quan Alexander. You know, if one of those guys can make a big play in a key game, in a close game, I definitely could see a defensive MVP this year because, you know, I agree that Jimmy Garoppolo might have a a better game, but I don't get the people ripping on him last week. Like, who cares? You're going to the Super Bowl. Who cares if you throw 70 yards, 80 yards? Ryan Tannehill did it the first two rounds, and they beat the Ravens, or they beat the Patriots and the Ravens. The Patriots, who have been the best team in the ASC for years, and the Ravens, who are the best team in the ASC by far in the regular season. I mean, Stick to what you know and stick to what works. Kyle Shanahan's a running back guru. I don't under I don't understand all that hate
0: on Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, why would you keep throwing the ball when you're already up four touchdowns with uh, Raheem Mostert absolutely killing the other defense? Why try to get fancy with it? You know, just keep handing it off to the guy and that's what they did.
1: Yeah, stick to what's working. The Packers weren't stopping him. All right, Casey, give me some of your bold predictions for, for this Super Bowl.
0: I could kind of see it going one of two ways like we talked about a couple times i i see the game either being a really really high scoring game or a game that nobody scores and like that,
1: like that patriots 13 to 3 super bowl
0: yeah i my prediction is if it isn't above 800 yards of team offense it's going to be below 500 yards combined
1: wow Nothing in between 500 or 800, eh?
0: No, not, we're not having an average football game. We're going to have either a barn burner or the most boring football game I've ever watched.
1: <laughs> I can't be boring with Pat Mahomes in it.
0: That's on. true, that's true. All
1: right, well, for my first bull prediction, I went that the 49ers are going to have one or zero sacks. So one or fewer, I suppose. Because I think that Chiefs offensive line is amazing. Mitchell Schwartz is a great... Tackle. Um, Pat Mahomes gets the ball out so fast. He has so many playmakers that are constantly going to be open. So, and obviously Andy Reid designs a great offense. So, I'm that's my personal prediction. But on the other side of the spectrum, I also have a prediction where the 49ers are end up a being able to win this game. I went with Jimmy Garoppolo shows people he can pass, and I think. I couldn't easily see him, again, if they can on Raheem Morset, I'd easily see him throwing for over 250 yards, 300 yards, couple of scores. And I think, like, I honestly, I'm assuming Jimmy Garoppolo wants to, considering he's one of the highest paid quarterbacks, but obviously you want to win Super Bowl over that. So he's probably going to continue handing it off as long as it works. But if that, if that gets shut down, you know, Chris Jones returns healthier than he was in AFC Championship, and he's a one of the best run stoppers in the nfl i could easily see jimmy garoppolo making a ton of big plays with his arm
0: and he's he's shown he's had the talent i mean it's not like he hasn't so it'll he was my pick for mvp so if no. if the 49ers win i think it's jimmy g's game
1: and all jimmy garoppolo does is win i mean the numbers are just staggering with their wins with him and versus without him all right finally we're gonna go into our game score predictions right now i'm gonna say 31 25 Chiefs. Chiefs, and I'll explain here in a minute once Casey gives his score.
0: My final prediction is twenty-one to seventeen, Chiefs. I think the offense gets it done, but I just don't see them being able to put up more than twenty-one points against that San Fran D.
1: Man, the Chiefs, oh, Pat Mahomes just unbelievable. Some of the plays he makes, though, like they were when they were getting blown out twenty-four nothing to the Texans. Some of the stuff he did, and the way their when their offense clicks. I don't care how good your defense is. You're not stopping them. And, you know, I'm a little curious to see kind of what game plan Andy Reid's going to go with, how he's going to script it. Because obviously Andy Reed has had some struggles in the postseasons, No doubt about it. Whether it's just losing, blowing leads, clock management, but kind of my pick came down to, I think you're always going to kind of take the team, or at least I am by default with the better coach, better quarterback. And, I think, obviously, Kyle Shanahan is a great mind, great football mind, one of the best young coaches in the league, but I do think Andy Reid's experience will help him a bit, even if he's had some troubles in the past, and so I, I just think the combination of him and Pat Mahomes is a lot tastier than the combination of Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo, because, yes, Jimmy Garoppolo is a great quarterback and can do a lot of stuff, but Pat Mahomes is a once-in-a-generational talent of a playmaker, so... I think the Chiefs are going to put up some points. I wouldn't doubt the 49ers putting up some points, too, just because the Chiefs are a little weaker on the defensive side of the ball. They've collected themselves for the playoffs and in that comeback, but that's why I'm electing 31-25 Chiefs.
0: I can see that, too. I don't know. It's just the Chiefs have struggled at points this season, too, but obviously they're getting hot at the right time, but they didn't really play the cream of the crop in the playoffs. So... Uh, it'll be interesting to see this is their first test against like what was labeled as a championship contender since before the playoffs started it'll be interesting to see what they do and that's why i'm kind of apprehensive of going with the over in this
1: yeah they went from possibly playing the patriots and the ravens to the texans and the titans i don't know i'm i'm just looking forward to a good game i think this is one of the best matchups we've had in recent Super Bowl memories. I'm so excited to see what Pat Mahomes can do. I'm so excited to see if that 49ers defense can hold up because, I mean, obviously they, you know, Outside of the second half against the Packers, they pretty much embarrassed Aaron Rodgers all in both games this year, demolishing him in the first game, demolishing him in the first half of that second game, and then they kind of went to a soft zone, kind of just were playing the clock game, letting Raheem go off, run the ball. But I think we are in for a great Super Bowl, and I sure hope we are. Otherwise, my Super Bowl party's going to be boring.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think this is probably one of the best matchups we could have got. I was hoping... Just as a fan of Drew Brees, I was hoping for a Chiefs-Saints matchup just because, obviously, with their postseason struggles, they couldn't get it done. But I think we got a great matchup this weekend, two teams we haven't seen in a while, obviously, since the Kaepernick-led 49ers and Chiefs since the first or second Super Bowl ever. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, Next week, coming up, we've got—obviously, we're going to look back at our previews for the Super Bowl and kind of examine our game picks— and just talk Super Bowl and see what happens. Probably go into some XFL. I know we're both pretty eager for that. So we just want to thank you for listening to the first episode. Robbie?
1: Yep, and so to go alongside uh, looking back at our Super Bowl picks, we'll also be looking at you know how those daily fantasy guys panned out, um, how our locks of the week panned out, especially me taking the Chiefs minus one and Casey's pick. And then, uh, again, next week's episode, the All-Stars for the NBA will be completely announced. We already have Team LeBron and Team Giannis as the captains alongside the starters have been announced, but we'll also get the reserves uh next week. And so then Casey and I will actually be posing as if we were Team LeBron and Team Giannis and we'll be doing a mock draft on the next episode of just doing our cobs. So just as Casey said, thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed the first episode.